any time I get up here to teach, and I love the book of Proverbs, and there's always a chapter that's equal to the day's date, so we'll start with one. Proverbs today, out of verse, or chapter 27, I picked verse 19. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. Good proverb. Glad you're here with us on Easter Sunday. And, uh, you know, this is the day that the church all around the world acknowledges that Jesus literally has power over death, which is everything in Christian faith, and it's a big deal. Thanks for being here with us. I, I know many of you are here because maybe somebody has said, hey, come with me to church, and you think that you made a decision to come, and I think you did too. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit gets involved in those circumstances, and not a single one of you is here by coincidence I think the Lord loves you and, and wants you in his house and wants to somehow minister life and hope to you. So um, thank you for coming. Today um, we're in the last of a four-part message series that actually I was on um, in December and saved the last message for today. I felt like it was a better, better one for Easter. And we've been looking at these common sayings, things that people say all the time that seem really good. They're popular sayings. A lot of people believe that they're true, but they're really our ideas. They're not something that God has said. And uh, today I want to look at, at what I believe is, is one of the most culturally believed lies that's out there um, you, and, and see what the Word of God actually says about it. I mean, a lot of people believe this. Um, a lot of people, have you've probably heard it. Maybe you've even said it. Maybe you believe it. Uh, people all around the world do believe this. And here's this phrase. It goes like this. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Just as long as you're authentically sincere, it's fine. Believe whatever you want. And that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds good. I mean, I mean it, it, it feels good because, you know, obviously, if, if God is big and if God is love, then it doesn't matter what you believe. As long as you're sincere, you'd probably be okay. That's what the philosophy is. It's kind of a feel-good statement. It's almost like a feel-good theology and, I mean, I, I, I see this occasionally in life. You might see it when a close friend talks to another person and says, you know, you're, you're, you're a good person. You probably come out okay. Where I see it a lot, though, and you might see it a lot, too, is at funerals or memorial services where someone will say, you know, he wasn't a religious person, but now he's in a better place. I mean, you probably, have you ever heard that? Look at me and nod, or I'm just going to go. This is, you're, you're, you're spooking me. Okay, so, you know, You'll say, you know, they're in a better place, or, or usually it comes with they're in a better place now, and they're looking down on us. And I think, you know, <laughs> I don't know about that theology. I can think that there are at least three or four times a day that I don't want my grandma looking down on me, okay? <laughs> you can decide for yourself. Um, <laughs> what is, you know, okay. All right, I, I, I don't know about that theology, but a lot of people believe it. A lot of people believe it. You know, they're looking down, they're in a better place. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. All roads lead to God anyway, so um, it doesn't, doesn't matter, just be sincere. It's a very, very common belief in our culture. And, um, you know, and, and, and also in our culture, basic spirituality is not at all controversial. I mean, I mean, for the most part, you can go to any sporting event and someone will score a touchdown or hit a home run or something, and they'll do something to signify, thank you, God. Somehow they'll want to you know, give God credit for it. Or, I mean, you, even on the Grammys, you watch the Grammys and someone will say, you know, I want to give God the credit to God. Or, or watch daytime TV, daytime talk shows. They can talk all day long about spirituality. They can talk about a higher power. They can talk about 
train horns going off in the middle of a sermon. You know, but, but they can talk about a higher power and they can talk about things like that. And it's just fine. There's no controversy there at all. So what happens? When is it that all of a sudden it becomes controversial? I mean, there's a certain point where all of a sudden it goes from zero to red line. Right, guys, you know what red line is. You know, if you're a guy, a car guy, you know the tachometer. Okay, so there's, you can go from idle to out of control in almost nothing. When somebody brings up the name Jesus, it's just when the name Jesus, it's okay to talk about God. It's okay to talk about a higher power and about spirituality. Nobody wigs out about that. It's just fine. But the minute you talk about Jesus, that's when things start to get a little toasty, get a little bit exciting. And there's some interesting observations I'd make about that truth. I mean, almost nobody debates the existence of Jesus. Even, you know, even his detractors are not going to try to say to you, oh, he wasn't a real person. He didn't. They, won't, they won't do that. They acknowledge that he was a real historical person. His, 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 history has it. There are people who are not followers of Jesus that recorded historians of the day. Um, it's common. Um, he was commonly written about. They won't try to tell you that he wasn't a real person. Here's another one. People love his teaching. I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't like the teachings of Jesus. You know, help the poor, love other people, be generous, be forgiving. People love that. They love the teaching of Jesus. Even if you hate Christianity, even if you think the church is a scam and you think people are hypocritical, they still love the teachings of Jesus. So his detractors won't debate his existence, and it's really, really hard to question the power and the beauty of, of his teaching. So why does everybody get so upset? Well, the reason they get so upset is because it's the exclusive claims that Jesus made, and we find the, those when those come up, people start to get rattled. They start to get bent out of shape. And it's very direct in Scripture, the words of Jesus. We find them in John 14, 6. There was, a, there was a guy named Thomas who was part of the group. And um, he was kind of confused with, where are we going? What's our plan? Where are we headed? He was asking these kinds of questions of Jesus. And, and Jesus answered, it says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No, he wasn't giving the answer he was expecting. Um, and then he goes on to say, no one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, there it is. Boom. No one comes to the... No, that, that declaration sets Jesus apart from virtually every other world faith. It's an exclusive claim. He's the way to the Father. Those are the words of Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what sets Christianity apart from other world religions. And I, I think, you know, as we start thinking about other world religions, I, I want to acknowledge, I think... You know, if you're going to have intellectual integrity, you need to acknowledge that, you know, in, in, in the different religions of the world, in the different faiths, there is probably some slice of truth, some slice of beauty in all of them, or most all of them. There's got to be some, some little bit that, you know, attracts people. I mean, if we look at different religions, we're going to find some truth and some beauty probably in all of them. But they're not the same. They're just not the same. And I want to just take just a couple minutes. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but just, let's just take a, a, a real high-altitude flyover viewpoint of the major world beliefs. Um, I'll just spend a minute on this. Buddhism, for example. In Buddhism, there's no God. Um, 
there's no final type of existence. They believe in th- that you're reborn. You're, you, you're born, you're born again, you're reborn, you go over and over, cycle after cycle after cycle. Hinduism, pretty different. They believe in an impersonal God that you approach through deities and statues and idols. And both Buddhism and Hinduism, they do not offer forgiveness of sins. They don't offer any sort of supernatural help. They offer the concept of karma. Karma. If you're good, probably good things will happen to you. If you're bad, that's bad karma. Bad things are going to happen to you. That's what they, what they offer. If you consider the Muslim faith, um, a Muslim worships Allah, who is a personal God. And um, in their faith, there are no secondary gods. There, there is an absolutely total ban on idols. And um, um, your standing with Allah, if you're a Muslim, is, it, it depends upon your religious uh, devotion, your works. If you're a new age, if you believe in the faiths of the new age, it's popular in a lot of parts of the world. It's very popular actually here. And um, you have no actual personal God. Um, they often believe in, in either a higher consciousness or um, um, being one with the cosmos and the universe. Um, and, and then, of course, you have Christianity, which um, ha- believes in a personal God, a very personal God who is exposed to us through the love of his son, Jesus Christ. And uh, this, this approach, this, the belief here is that this God offers the forgiveness of our sins not based on your religious efforts, but instead it's based on the goodness of God, his loving heart. He provides the way. And so I, I look at all of these um, different faiths, and I think intellectual integrity requires us to say, yeah, there's, there, there may be some beautiful things, some truth in all of these different faiths, but they're not the same. In fact, many of the primary components of these different faiths are mutually exclusive. Somebody, somebody says to me, you know, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. I really think an objective person has to look at that and say, you know, first off, that's our idea. That's not what God has said. Okay? The second thing is this. Sincerity does not make something that's untrue true. You can be sincere as you want. And you walk out in that garage and it, your car turned from a Mazda into a Ferrari. No matter how sincere you are, the truth is the truth. I've tried it. <laughs> Don't know about the Ferrari part, but I mean, I mean, it, it just, it's just, it doesn't make something that's untrue true. So today, I want to just um, do something fairly simple. But let, before I go there, let me just do some full disclosure with you. With you, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay, so you shouldn't be too shocked by that. You came to a Christian church on Easter. You should expect the guy up front, probably a follower of Christ. But I just wanted to say that. And some of you may say, okay, well, where are you going to go, Terry? I have to discount it because you're biased. And I admit it, I'm biased. Okay, so I just flop that out there. But what I want to ask you, what I'm going to ask of you today is, no matter what you believe, I just want to simply ask this, just, just for the next few minutes, consider Jesus. Whatever you believe, just consider Jesus. Now, and, and please hear me. I'm not asking you to consider our church, okay? I'm not asking that at all. And I'm, and I'm not asking you, I'm not even asking you to consider any Christian denomination. I'm not even asking you to consider Christianity because I really believe Jesus did not come to start up a religion. Jesus came 
to show the love of Father God with his life. And he came to show that to people who, who, who need a Savior. And so I'm not going to even ask you to consider Christianity. I, and I'm certainly not asking you to consider the behavior of people who call themselves Christians. Okay? Because, I mean, you can get a lot of different samples out there if you've tried that. And, um, you know, you'll run into one who is the most loving, generous, kind, wonderful example of, of God's love possible. And you'll say, hey... If this is what Christianity is a, a, a like, I think I, you know, I'd like to be a part of that. And then you'll run into another Christian who um, is maybe one of the most narrow-minded, harsh-hearted, egotistical, hateful, judgmental, bigoted people you've ever met, and think that is a terrible example. So I'm, I'm, and then and then you'll turn on Christian TV and you'll wonder what's the deal with all the hair, all the bad hair on Christian TV. I mean, I'm not asking you to consider. People who call themselves Christians. Not that my hair is anything beautiful. I'm just glad I've still got a little bit. But <clears throat> and, and, and another thing, one more thing too. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to consider the things that I'm saying to you or, or, or who I am. Because frankly, there would be people here who don't like me and you know, I understand that. And then there are other people here who like me too much. And I, that, I, I'm not, I, I'm, I, here's the deal. If you got to know me better, I'd let you down because I'm a very, very imperfect person. So I'm not asking you to look at me and say, okay, well, that's what I'm supposed to decide based on that dude up front. No, that's a bad decision. And, and, and so all I'm asking you to do is to consider Jesus. Consider Jesus. And then you decide what you believe is actually true about faith and about eternal life. Make that decision. So, so what I want to ask you to do is I'm going to have, just take a few minutes with this and uh, look at three considerations of Jesus today. Three, and we're going to go fairly quickly. First thing I'm going to ask you to do is consider the ministry of Jesus. Just consider the ministry of Jesus. And we'll look at this in Mark 2. And it tells, this little short scripture tells us why Jesus came. Verse 16, when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees, um, these were the religious leaders of the day, um, and they saw Jesus eating with sinners and tax collectors. Okay, back then a tax collector was not somebody who worked for the IRS. A tax collector there was a very dishonest person who got rich because he took advantage of everybody, including the most needy. It was bad. They were bad people. So sinners and tax collectors meant really, really bad people. That's the context here. They asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? What they're really saying, these self-righteous religious leaders, or what they're really saying is, Hey, if he was righteous, he wouldn't have anything to do with those people. They're too filthy. They're, too, they're, they're sinners. They're dirty. He should stay away from them. That's what they're saying. Verse 17, on hearing this, Jesus heard him. He, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He came for sinners. He came for people like me and you, people who we just, sometimes we just can't get it right. Jesus came for me and you. You know, think about Jesus. He came for people that others despised. Those people he loved and accepted. He, he came for people that rejected religion. And he loved those people and he reached out to them. There was this woman who was caught one time in adultery and um, all of the uh, religious people were gathered around, and, and, and they said, hey, stone her, kill her, execute her. 
She deserves death. The law says she, she deserves death. And they were trying to trap Jesus, but they wanted to find out his heart. He, he looks at these guys. He says, okay, that's what the law says now. The first one of you that, that has no sin in your life, go ahead. If you're really sinless, let her buck. Of course, they didn't. Then he turned to this woman. He says, you know, I forgive you. I forgive you. This wonderful, loving thing, he says to her, you know, go and sin your way no more, you're forgiven. Consider the ministry of Jesus, who he was and what he did. You know, he opened blind eyes. He, he opened up ears that were deaf. He caused the mute to speak, you know, and, and he touched the lepers, people who had a disease that no one would touch them. Jesus embraced and, and, and touched them and loved them. He turned water into wine. He he, he multiplied a little bit of food, enough to feed thousands of people. He did these great miracles. I mean, he walked on the water. He raised people from the dead. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> That's a big, pretty big deal. And, and here's the thing about this whole, you know, I, this is crazy to me. You know, his critics, the people who were against him, didn't question the validity of the miracles. Even historians of the day, wrote about his miracles. But his critics, the people who were against him, didn't say, hey, that was a fake. They didn't do that. You know what they said? And they said, they just wanted him to stop. They didn't say, hey, that was a fake. They said, hey, stop doing that. Stop healing those people. Stop making blind people. They just wanted him to stop. <laughs> they watched those miracles firsthand and all they could think of was their own place slipping away, their own power slipping away instead of the truth and the wonderful miracles that they were seeing. They just wanted him to stop. And, and I, I just think, you know, I think there are people in this room right now who are miracles. I mean, some of you, I know your story. You've shared them with me. I mean, there are people in this room right, sitting here right now I know who have had a miraculous physical healing, not because of anything other than the, the heaven reached down and did something miraculous. I know people in this room who... Um, your marriage should have exploded because of unfaithfulness and, and marital infidelity. And somehow, the Lord got into two hearts and made one say, oh, I need to be faithful to my spouse. And another one say, oh, I'm going to forgive. And I watched, I've watched hearts turn 180 degrees that should not have turned. There's nobody that can change a heart like that but God. They're, mirac- they're miracles. There are miracles sitting in this room um, you know, consider the ministry, consider the power, consider the miracles of the one who didn't come for the righteous, but he came for sinners. He didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. And, and frankly, I'm a miracle. You know, <laughs> I'm as much a miracle as, as any. I mean, I, I, I look back when I was, <laughs> it always feels like that's emphasizing what I'm saying. I, I, I was an arrogant and strong-willed young man. Yeah, the horn's going to honk now. I mean, I, I look back to when I was this, this young guy, a teenager, in my parents' home, and um, I didn't have any interest in God. In fact, I had an interest in not being interested in God. And um, I was arrogant. And while that's going on, I found out after the fact that my mother was going around behind my back <laughs> to talk to God. And her prayer was something like this, Lord, put your put a hunger for your word into Terry's heart. I'm 17. I got to tell you, I don't know what the deal is, but that's like a nuclear missile bomb prayer that mothers can pray. 
It is. I, I, I believe to this day that, that God says, wait a second, I got mothers praying for their kids here. Hold on, this is important. And that somehow they get moved to the front of the list as if there is a list. I don't think there's a priority system. But I just know that God hears the prayers of mothers. And, and I can tell you, you know, out of the blue, that's what I thought. Out of the blue. This arrogant, strong-willed, 17-year-old, I got life figured out <laughs> guy. I started thinking, you know, I'm kind of curious about the Bible. And I went to my mother one day and I said, hey, mom, is there a, a Bible that if I could read it, I'd understand it? Because the only thing that I'd seen was the King James version. And, um, you know, sometimes the King James can be a little bit daunting to try to understand. And um, I, I, I just know that something started happening in me that was miraculous and a change started happening and I started understanding who God was. And there came a moment where God's love for me overwhelmed me and gripped me so strongly that I couldn't do anything but actually acknowledge his love and say, I, I, I'm a sinner and I need, I need saving. And so when I tell you today that I'm a new creation in Christ, here's, here's what you need to understand about that. I'm not a better version of the old me. This isn't the new and improved Terry. I mean, I mean I'm a new me. I'm a different person. Uh, the old is gone and the new is here. Okay, consider the ministry and the power and the love of Jesus. Second thing I want to ask you is to consider the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus. You know, know this. God loves you so much that his heart is to overcome the problem that we have with sin because he hates sin. He does. That's why he was born of a virgin. There, there's a spiritual reason behind that. We all know the, the Christmas story, born of, of a virgin. And, and the, the issue there is that he, he did not inherit the sinful nature of an earthly father. And so he lived a life without sin. You can't find any recordings of sin anywhere because they just don't exist. He didn't. And, 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 and that's why when he went to the cross to pay the price, he was an acceptable price to pay for all of us, sinless and perfect, God's perfect lamb. And, and don't miss the power of what was going on in those moments. You know, he's, he's on the cross and he's, he's being mocked by the very creation that he created. He's being mocked by the people. And after they had done their worst, you know, they'd, they'd beaten him unrecognizable and stakes through the hands. And you need to understand about the cross. It wasn't just a place to store someone while they died. It was a actual form of execution that was a refined form of torture. By this point, the Romans had been good at it. They'd been doing it for a couple hundred years. And it was intended to execute a person, but to do it slowly over a long period of time to extract the most misery. And in the middle of all that, what does Jesus say? He turns to heaven and, and he prays. He says, God, Father, forgive them. Just forgive these people. They don't really understand what's going on here. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And then he says this amazing thing. Seems simple, but it's really profound if you'll understand this. He says, it's finished. That didn't mean the event of a biological passing, that meant the accomplishment of the reason he was on the cross in the first place. If you think he was put on the cross because he was executed, you're wrong. He was put on the cross because by free choice, he gave his life. No one took it from him. And he gave it up as a payment, a payment for me and for you. 
And he said, Lord, Father, I, uh, into your hands I command my spirit. And, and, and the earth literally went dark, and the ground literally shook in those moments. And then three days later, when they rolled that stone away, the tomb was empty. You know, Jesus wasn't there. And Christians believe that he was raised from the dead. Peter said this in Acts 3. He said, you, he was talking to those who had actually, he said, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. And this is important because there were eyewitnesses that he had been dead and that he had, was, had raised, raised from the life. And, and you need to understand, that's not a claim that's only made by followers of Christ. Historians of the day, there's a guy named Josephus. He was a Jewish historian. He's not a Christian. And he wrote about that. He, he said, Jesus, who was the Christ, the Messiah, was crucified and rose from the dead. It's not, it's not a point of, of, of only Christians say this. No, history says it well. And skeptics will talk about this. And they'll come up with some explanations. They'll say, no, he wasn't actually... He didn't actually raise from the dead. They come up with these ex- explanations. Here's one of them. These are, here, I'm going to give you the two primary ones that you'll hear out there. first one you'll hear is that the Roman soldiers stole the body. Okay. They had access, and of course, they had, um, they had the area controlled, so that's a possibility. But here's the problem with that. There were, there were a whole lot of enemies of Christ there. And what they would have loved to do when the, when, the, when the disciples are saying, he's risen from the dead, he's risen from the dead, they would have led, led, loved to have said, oh, yeah, gotcha, here's the body. That never happened. They never said, oh. They, they never said, no, that's not true, because here's the body. That never happened. They never produced the body. That, 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 that argument just kind of flies out the window. Here's another one that you'll hear. The other ones will say that the disciples stole the body. Well, there's some problems with that argument um, other than that it's, you know, the, the, well, here's, here's part of that. I mean, for them to have stolen the body, okay, so these guys steal the body, and then you're going to tell me then that, that 11 guys spent the rest of their life talking about the miracles and the resurrection of Christ. 10 out of those 11 were literally executed, tortured to death in different ways, and not a single one of them recanted. Not a single one of them said, oh, we made it up. We hid the body. Not a single one of them. They all went to their death, painful deaths, saying, sticking to it, hey, he came out of that tomb. He's alive. There was one event that over 500 people were present, and Jesus was there after the whole crucifixion had ended. I mean, it's like, does any reasonable person really believe? Here's another scenario. Okay, so the Roman guard... These guys were trained soldiers. Their penalty, if they failed to guard a prisoner, they took the prisoner's sentence. So in this case, death sentence. So here you are, trained, a trained group of Steven Seagal, Arnold Schwarzenegger, etc., fill in your blank. Um, Jamie Weeks, same kind of... <laughs> that whole group of people... <laughs> Jamie's my friend. I'll pay for that. Anyway, so, so th- here's these Roman soldiers who are guarding to protect their future. And your suggestion here is that 11 ordinary, a fisherman, a tax collector, uh, I don't know what these guys did. I mean, various different things. They somehow overpowered this detachment of, you know, rangers. No. The tomb was empty. 
He wasn't dead. He was alive again. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Just consider that. Just con- don't, don't consider Christians. Don't consider me. Don't consider our church because we're imperfect. And if you hang out here a couple times, you'll find out that there's, you know, we're, we're imperfect. Consider Jesus, his ministry, and that he came for sinners. Consider the resurrection. And then number three, um, consider the eternal message of Jesus. Consider the eternal message of Jesus. We're just about done. I love the way the um, Apostle Paul summarizes this in Romans 3.22. He says, We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Man, that is, that's such a big deal. We shouldn't miss this. We're made right with God by believing, by having faith in Jesus, by putting our faith in the Son of God. And, and, then, and then catch this. It says, And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Wow. By placing our faith in Jesus. That's it. No matter what you've done. No matter how dark your life is. No matter if you were as arrogant and willful as I was, or not that bad, or worse. No matter how many sins you've committed. No matter how messed up your life is. No matter how, you know, how much you've hated Christians or Christianity. No matter how angry or bitter or anything. No matter what your reasons, anyone, 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 anyone who places their faith in Jesus Christ will be made new. That's the promise. This is true for everybody, no matter who you are. You see, God's plan for us is very, very simple. It's Christ plus nothing. Christ plus nothing. It's not Christ plus good works. It's not Christ plus getting baptized. It's not, it's not Christ plus membership. It's not Christ plus giving money. It's none of those things. It's, it's, it's Christ plus nothing. And it's not only um, Christ plus nothing, but it's also not Christ after I stop doing these bad things. It's not Christ after I stop thinking bad things, saying bad things, doing bad. It's not that either. It's Christ plus nothing. For anyone, anyone. And here's the deal. Religion is the problem. <laughs> religion is where the problem is. Because it, with religion, it's all about us. It's, it's all about me, you know, how I perform, what I do. You know, am I good enough? Did I get rid of enough bad stuff? Religion's all about me. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about something different. I'm talking about relationships. Because Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to show you and me the love of God. And so while religion is about me, relationship's about Jesus. It's about him. Religion says if I'm good enough, you know, if I obey, God will love me. Relationship, relationship says because God loves me already, he already accepts me right here, right now. You know, then later, as life goes on, and I realize I'm loved and I'm accepted, something happens in my heart, and something changes there. And then I want to do things differently. I don't try to live a good life because I'm earning anything with God, and I'm not trying to do it so that I can be better than anybody else, because I'm not. I try to live a good life because I want to please the one who loves me. That's the reason. It's a response to... 
your eternal love. And you know, God doesn't love any one of you because of what you do. God loves you because that's his nature. That's who he is. And you know, I love to tell people this. There's nothing that you can do that will make him love you more. You can't do anything to make God love you more. Also, you can't do anything to make him love you less. You realize that when you do something wrong, he doesn't go, oh, I don't love you anymore. That is not God. He loves you because that's who he is. Consider the eternal message of Jesus. Religion's about me, relationships about Jesus. Your religion is if, I, if I'm good, he'll love me. Relationship is because he's good. He already loves me. He's on the cross and he says, you know, I came to do what the Father sent me and it's finished. You might believe that you need to add something. But when Jesus said it is finished, he's saying to you and to me, it's already done. You might think you need to try and be a better person. God says it's already done. You might need to do, you think, to do more good works. God says it's already done. Or God says it's finished, it's done. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. God says it's done, it's settled, and you'll become brand new. Let's pray. Lord, uh, when our culture is saying things to us again and again, like it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere, I know we're smart enough to recognize that there's a difference between beliefs. So God, I want to pray and ask that you would do the miraculous thing that you do, and that is speak to hearts that need a Savior. I don't stand up here and make accusations against a single soul in this room. I simply state the truth. All of us fall short. All of us somehow make mistakes. There are just moments where we sin, and it doesn't have to be murder. It just is any sin, hatred or disrespect or insensitivities, things, Lord, that we know we're not supposed to do and to be, and it hurts the people around us. The sins, Lord, that would separate us from God. I love the fact that God loved me so much that you decided to make a pathway for me because I couldn't do it on my own. No one can. Scripture says, church, keep your eyes closed. Scripture says um, that if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. Scripture says, all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. I'm not going to ask anybody to come forward or do anything like that today, but I want to say this. If you've never made the decision to open your heart and consider Jesus and to open your heart to him as King and Savior, your eternity rests in the balance, and today's as good a day as any to make that decision and get this done in your soul so that your eternity is forever resolved. And I encourage you, if that is witness in your heart. You need to know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now. If your heart is maybe pumping a little bit, if you feel a little anxious about this, that is this, that's the presence of the Holy Spirit saying, come home. I love you. I encourage you to open your hearts to the Lord this day and to share it with somebody and just say, hey, something's happening and I've got to figure this thing out with God, but I'm open to Jesus. Lord, I pray you would help and guide people to do that in your precious name. Amen. Amen. I want you to enjoy a wonderful song.
Yeah. 